We're going to be back in Galatians today. Uh, Chad was there last week. We're going back there today. So if you have Bibles, open to Galatians chapter 3. And by the way, we were talking about this before we started rolling this morning, just sitting around waiting for the clock to roll down. I hope you guys are, are using these. Um, I hope that you're pulling your Bibles often. I hope that you're spending time in them often. Um, um, this is food for our souls, especially, especially in a time like this. Um, God is always talking, um, and, and this is the primary means uh, in which he always talks. And I hope that you guys are taking advantage of that um, in your lives. It is so important. It is so important for the way that we um, feel during the day, for the way that we think during the day, for the way that we interpret um, the signs of the times and the things that are going on around us and our attitude, our response to those things. This is important um, for, for how we respond and react to everything around us um, because God's word um, always imparts um, the spirit of God to us. And so make sure that you're abusing this right now, um, so to speak. Um, and again, me, me getting to get in here this week, we've been looking at Galatians, which is all about the gospel, uh, what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. And it's just, it, it was just a beautiful thing again for me this week to sit and look at um, just the, the basics of the gospel and why it's so important to me and, um, and why it means so much. Um, brief reason for why we're going through Galatians again and, and what Galatians basically is. Paul went to uh, the region of uh, Galatia. He preached the gospel. People got saved. Churches were set up. And then he moved on. Um, and when he moved on, another group of people came in and they visited those churches and they started saying, no, 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 this isn't exactly how you're saved. This is how you're saved. And they added works. They added things on top of the work of Christ that made it no longer gospel. And so Galatians is one of the most important books, I think, just because of that, that the church today, um, can have, um, in their in um you know in their arsenal um because this this is going on this is as rampant as it's always been ever since the beginning just like here in galatia um the gospel's always being challenged the gospel's always being perverted um it's always being added to and so um praise god that we have a book like this where we can always uh recalibrate ourselves we can check ourselves examine ourselves what we believe what our faith is in what the substance of our faith is and have that corrected again on the person and work of christ alone um and so uh last week basically what chad covered in the first part of chapter three um is faith after the order of abraham equals blessing through the promise right and today, really, what we're going to look at in verses 10 through 14 is works after the order of the law equals curse. Um, and so that's where we're uh, going to go today. We're going to take five verses and make four points out of it. So let's go ahead and read the text. Um, verse 10, chapter 3. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So we're going to start in verse 10. Uh, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Point number one, according to verse 10, God does not grade on a curve. God doesn't grade on a curve. It's funny, when I left the house at 16, my mom put one of those boxes together with like everything that she had saved over the years and handed that thing to me when I left. And I think I I had mentioned a couple weeks ago, I pulled that box um, a little over a week ago and I started going through it because I was looking for something specific and I found myself as I'm going through there looking through all this other stuff that my mom had saved I couldn't believe some of the stuff that my mom had saved and she literally had saved like all of my report cards and those report cards um, were bad like they were worse than I even remember them and I, and I couldn't believe that she didn't like just toss those um, and what you have um, you guys all know if you grew up in the United States and um, the, the scale has, has mostly always been uh, five letters, the first five letters of the alphabet. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a spread out scale. You've got A's, you've got B's, you've got C's, you've got D's, and you've got, of course, F's. That you're, that those, that's kind of the scale that we're, we're graded on um, in school. And then, of course, when I was in school in the, in the 80s, I don't know if you have this, uh, there was a plus at the beginning of all of them and a minus. So it went from like five possibilities to like 15 possibilities, uh, A plus, A, A minus, all the way down. So there's all this room in there, and I'm looking at some of these, and when I saw a C on a report card or a D, I was thinking like, cool, I passed. You know what I mean? Like it was ugly. I crawled, I scraped by on my knuckles, but like um, I passed. And I think that we we tend to look sometimes um, at the way that God is going to judge um, us in the same type way. Like it's a broad scale and we're going to end up fitting in there somewhere and pass. And yet Paul's actually like refuting that right here. He's actually killing that idea. He's telling us that God doesn't grade on a curve. Listen to what James says in James 2.10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. In other words, you can say, I've, I've done these five over here really well, but I screwed up in this one over here. Um, So I'm good. No, what James is actually telling us is that that infraction over here messes everything up. So when we look at A, B, C, D, and F in school um, and that we we have a lot of room to move, what we see here is that God has two, um, basically, letters in his, uh, um, you know, his scale. Uh, A and an F, okay? You either have to ace the law by works or you will fail so a p or an f you either pass or you fail that's god's um scale according to uh the law which means that if you choose to go in on a system of works righteousness as your pathway to god you have to go all in on your ability to perform it all or nothing either 100 percent perform the law of god or you 100 percent fail it's one or the other there's no in between um, it's, it's, it's funny when it comes to like the law and what it does. I went for about 22 years without a traffic ticket 
um, which I thought was rad. And the reason I did was because when I first, at 16, when I first got my license, I was living in California and I immediately got like three infractions, like immediately. And down there it's three strikes, you're out. And so like I started being super careful. And when we moved to Oregon, I was just super careful with the laws. I just, you know, did a great job for like 22 years. And then a few years ago, um, I got busted speeding through a zone. I went, it was going like 11 miles over the zone. And it was one of those zones where they snap a picture of you. And I was actually with Brent. We were coming back from a pastor's dealio over in uh, Portland. Not that that matters. But um, we were sitting there laughing. We kept the picture because they, they just sent me a picture. And it's a picture of me in my car driving down the road with the biggest stupid smile on my face because me and Brent were like laughing at something. And I'm speeding through this zone. Anyway, they sent me this and they sent me a bill of a couple hundred bucks. Like, this is what you owe us. This is an infraction. And what they didn't send was anything saying, you know what, though? When we ran your record, like, we realized that you went 20 years or 22 years with a perfect record. Like, we have nothing on so we're So you know what? We're just going to let you go on down the road. The law doesn't do that. That infraction counts when you um, do not abide by the law. And where does that infraction go? It goes on your record. <laughs> it gets recorded somewhere, right? Um, same with the law according to righteousness. We may be able to go 12 hours. We may be able to go 24 hours without a sinful word or a sinful act or a sinful thought or a sinful desire. But at some point, you're going to have one. At some point, it's going to go down. And when it does, you have failed at righteousness according to works. That's why Paul is making such a big deal out of this. This isn't something to be played around with when we go back to the law. That's why at the beginning of this section, like Chad read um, last week, he starts off this section by asking them questions. He asked them, have you guys gone mental? You know what I mean? Have you really thought about this? Who gave you stupid pills? Who bewitched you? Who deceived you into thinking that this could actually work, that you could actually live this way and perform it? Who told you it would be a good idea to trade in the grace through faith for a curse through the failure of works? Because that's exactly what they have done. They've placed themselves under a curse because those who rely on their own works to be saved are under a curse. It can't be done. Verse 11. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. He's saying that God's called us to come to him this way, not that way. God has called us to come to him through faith, not through the law of works righteousness. For the righteous shall live by faith. He quotes this from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And the question is, faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in faith? Faith in whatever? Is this an open-ended faith? And the only reason I ask this is because um, as a chimney guy, I go into a lot of houses and there's these really popular signs. I think they've been popular for about 10 years now, but like everybody, all kinds of people have these hanging in their house. And they're usually made up of some kind of neat like pallet wood or something like that. And they're just the words faith or the word believe or the word hope. Have you seen those? And if you have those hanging in your house, like forgive me. Um, but, but the weird thing is that when you just see those signs hanging in people's houses, like they, they're hanging there as if they have value in and of themselves, as if those words have value in and of themselves. But really where the value is, is in the substance of where your faith lies, of where your belief lies, of what 
it actually is that you have faith in, what it is that you actually believe. And Paul is speaking here to the Galatians to live by a faith in a very specific thing, that being faith in God to be and to provide our righteousness through Jesus Christ. That's how God has called people to himself. Faith in him to be and to provide our righteousness. Not in a belief in yourself like the world will push on us all the time to live a righteous enough life, but faith in something outside of ourselves to the one whose righteousness is enough for us. We call this the new covenant, and yet like we talked about last week, this is not a new covenant. This is an old covenant. This is older, in fact, than the old covenant, right? And that is that the just shall live by faith in God's promise of a provided righteousness for us. How early do we see this promise? We see it from the very beginning. We see it from the fall. We see it in the garden, right? Where Adam and Eve died that day when they ate of that tree and they became naked and they were afraid, so they hid from God. And what did God do? God spilt blood because death requires the shedding of blood and he took the coverings and he covered them with it. That's the first place we see the new covenant (laughs) by faith. That's the first place where we see the promise given to us that says God is going to provide for us what we need. We cannot provide it for ourselves. And that's how God calls people to himself to have faith in that, that Jesus is that promise of covering that we were unable to do for ourselves. Verse 12, Paul goes on to say, but the law is not of faith, rather. The one who does them shall live by them. This is a little bit of an echo of of 10 again, but what this tells us is that the law and faith are diametrically opposed The law and faith are not friends (laughs) before the fact. They are not compatible. They are by nature contrary to each other. In other words, you cannot fully function in both of them at the same time. Um, Do you ever wish, do you ever have those days or those schedules where you wish you could be in two or three places at one time? You know, like there's a couple really important things that you need to do or that you want to do, but you can't. It's absolutely impossible unless you clone yourself or, you know, divide yourself into two, which is also impossible. I don't even know why I said that. Um, But like it's impossible for you to be in two places at once. You can only choose one of them. And really, Paul is saying the same thing. Attempting to live under the law for righteousness and by faith for righteousness at the same time is impossible. And it's funny because I tend to think to myself a lot, um, even, even recently, I do this all the time, that I can use both the law and what Christ did um, to my advantage um, just to cover all the bases. You know what I mean? As if that's not dangerous. Um, I'll use works to attempt to get ahead, and when that fails, I'll fall back onto grace. <laughs> but Paul tells us here that the law is not of faith. When I'm functioning in that, when I'm trusting in that system and I'm trusting in myself, I'm not trusting in him, which is by faith. I'm not trusting in the promise, which is by faith. There is no faith in it when we commit ourselves to a construct of law. Therefore, he goes on to say, the one who does them shall live by them. In other words, this is your construct for righteousness or it isn't. 
Faith is your construct. Christ, faith alone and Christ alone is your construct for righteousness or it's not. The law is your construct for righteousness or it's not. Which is it? And if I could live by the law, I wouldn't ever be falling back onto grace through faith. But I do every time. So what I'm ultimately doing when I do that is I'm insulting the perfect work of Christ by playing around with the imperfect. By going back to something that can't possibly benefit me, that can't possibly save me. It only brings curse, not blessing. In a sense, I'm yawning at the cross when I play around with the law. And I don't want to do that because Jesus paid the highest price for me. Which brings us to verses 13 and 14, where he says, Christ redeemed us, for, by the, uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This people is redemption by substitution. This is substitutionary atonement. I know that's a big phrase, but you should write it down and you should look, dig into it sometime. Because this is where all the beauty is. This is where all the wonder is of what it is that Christ did. Jesus became the curse in order to free us from the curse. That's what's happening here. He was our stand-in. He was our divine stunt double. He's the one who jumped out of the car so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus did the dirty work. Jesus did the heavy lifting so that those who were a moral disaster could have the blessing and the promise of spiritual royalty. This again is the object of our faith. The capability and the accomplishment of our stand-in, our substitute, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. Paul says here, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. It is mind-blowing to consider that God came from glory over all the things that he had created to walk among his creation and become a curse. Mind-blowing. And some will say God doesn't love us. No one can say that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to become a curse. That those who, whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, what is this curse thing? Well, it's interesting because the Jews really did not use crucifixion to kill people. They, they had another preferred way of putting people down. Um, do you guys know what that was? It was... I forgot you can't talk back. Uh, stoning. <laughs> it was stoning. Um, why did they not primarily use crucifixion? The answer is given to us in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, which is where Paul's actually quoting this from. And it says, If a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. In other words, the Jews did not primarily use crucifixion to carry out justice because it was so vile. Hanging criminals on a tree was a practice only reserved for the most reprehensible of criminals who committed the most reprehensible of crimes. Crucifixion, which is 
Death by asphyxiation was an extremely slow and fully exposed, drawn-out public spectacle that was downright horrific. It was so humiliating and so horrible for the victim that they were considered a curse to God as well as the spectator and as well as the land. And of course, even though death by hanging on a tree has always been one of the most horrible of deaths, the Romans have continually perfected it. They have continually found ways to tweak and to improve this form of torture right up to the time that Christ came and hung on that tree and became a curse for us. And yet, he went to that tree of death so that he might make it a tree of life for you and me. And this is imputed to us. This, re, this, this gift, this accomplishment of Christ is given to us by faith. Not by works of the law. See, Jesus redeemed the tree. How cool is that? This whole mess started with a tree. Sin and death entered the world through a tree. And Christ uses the tree to repair and to redeem the world. An amazing, amazing thought. And it's all because he became a curse when he went there. It started with the tree and it ended with the tree. He went to that tree of death to stand in for us, to clear our record of infractions by taking our list of infractions upon himself. At the cross, Jesus handed us blessing through righteousness, and we handed him curse through works. So that what, um, this is, I mean, this is what Paul's going on about here. Um, and, and so what he's really saying to the Galatians is don't pick up that stuff that Jesus died for anymore. Don't go back to it. Don't go back to it, Galatians. It's not for you. Don't go back to that which held him on that tree. Leave your attempts at righteousness on the tree. Because this is where life comes from. This is where blessing comes from. This is where the promise is manifested and received. Not by the law, not by your good works, not by your various and creative or even painful and sacrificial attempts at righteousness, but by faith in his painful and sacrificial achievement in being both a curse and righteousness for us. The law cannot save, the tree of Jesus does. Your good works cannot save you. Jesus, your substitute in 100% righteousness, can. Jesus became a curse in order to free us from the curse. And so I would encourage you guys to not be foolish and not be tempted to go back to a system that you have because we all have them. We don't have to be Jews to have a works righteousness uh, construct. It seems so natural to us. But I would encourage you to fall on Christ when you see your need. People, I, I feel like the longer that I've been a, a Christian, I, 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 I am more vile to myself now. I see myself as a bigger, more disgusting sinner than I was when I first met Christ. And it's not because I'm doing all this stuff that I used to do. I used to, um, as far as behavioral sins go, like I was a wreck, I was a mess, and God has removed that stuff. But what's left now is, is all this stuff that's inside. All the reasons why I do the things that I do are what I see now, and I can't handle it. It's overwhelming when I look at it. But I, I, I can lean back onto the tree 
by faith. That's where I need to go because there's nothing I can do to clean myself up. I may try to, but I have to fall on the cross. I have to, by faith, know that God has given me a promise that can't be broken through Christ in faith. It is finished. It is done. I am clean. I am after the order of Abraham because of Christ, because of faith in Christ. And so were you. Lord, thank you so much for sending your son to be a curse um, in our place. Um, I thank you for the, the, the exchange that took place, um, that he, he took on our worst and, and gave us his best, and that it's all done by faith, that without faith, it's, it's impossible to please you. That's what you're calling us with. That's what you're drawing us with. That's what you require of us, God, even though you're the one who gives it to us, is faith. So help us not to think that we can pick up the slack for our righteousness or our unrighteousness because we can't. We cannot, um, we cannot add anything to what's already perfect. And, and we acknowledge that that's, that's your son. So thank you um, for freeing us from the curse of the law so that um, we could be grafted in um, to this beautiful royal family. In Jesus' name, amen. back on okay so if you have uh, questions or comments uh, we're going to discuss a little bit what uh, what David just preached in Galatians a powerful message uh, of the cross and um, if you have questions or comments there's a you, you can send them on Facebook or else there's also the, the text number there so and we'll kind of field those as they come in I didn't write questions down for you guys like you guys have been doing for us. So um, I just figured you guys have read the text. Um, there's a lot that could be added to that. It, it's really hard to go through a section like that and try to run through it as fast as you can because there's just there's layers. So right. I'm sure you guys got some some stuff that's super helpful for everybody. I, well, that, that was good. Cool. Yeah, that was that was good. Hard to ruin something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind I kind of think about how we're. Like we're kind of hardwired towards the law. Like we have a bent towards doing, yep. right? And I think we can easily, and maybe we talked about this last week. I can't remember, but we can easily get into this mindset of, like, if if I do for God, God will do for me, or God should do for me mm -hmm. if if I do for Him. Um, and, and it's just it's not a biblical way of thinking, but we're we're hardwired that way, and I think we we're continually pulled in that direction. Yeah. I listen to um, podcasts um, every week, and one of them is a dude that every Wednesday he goes out on the college campuses, and he and he just has conversations with people walking by, and he records those. So it's this dude basically witnessing, and he's always asking the same questions, like, "Do you believe in God?" You know, almost everyone will say like, "Yeah," or he'll even ask like, "Are you a Christian?" And I'll be like, "Yeah," and. Um, he always asks him questions. He gets to the point where it's like, are you a good person or a bad person? And just about all of them say, I'm a good person. And it's because of that, that, that scale like I was talking about. We, there's so many things in, around us in our lives that, 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 that life communicates to us that there's this big open scale. And as long as we fall somewhere inside of there, we're always going to find someone worse than us. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, and, and so, yeah, <clears throat> it's just such a um, – it's so hard to – 
to break that idea in people um, that like no there's there's like no room in this scale like this is it, that's the bad news you know right. that's the law that needs to kill you and make you need something um, that that you know that achieved what you can't but anyway what were you thinking Terry well it is there's this built-in uh, notion of symmetry right uh, if you do for God he'll do for you uh, or because God has done for you you should you know to God there's this but but grace is totally asymmetrical it's it's unidirectional it's from God to us and the only way to appropriate it is not by uh, some symmetrical work right. you know on the other side that you know balancing the teeter-totter it's it's simply you know by faith and and I think it's interesting um, you know because as you talk about the law um, there could be uh, and and that's what the the discussion here is about is about their 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 attachment their their default position uh, being uh, you know be works under the law but but somebody that's sitting here in you know central Oregon this time kind of well you know I'm not really hung up on the Ten Commandments and all that kind of stuff but it's really interesting that in verse 10 uh, Paul says for as many as our works of law yep. there it's not I mean it the, the context is about the Jewish law but it could be any law and 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 if there's not laws that uh, if, if we're not talking about God's law it's any law that you would construct in your mind or in your heart that says you know if I just do this thing or keep that thing uh, then I'm gonna be somehow justified before God uh, and we do that we you know uh, it's kind of like um, again trying to establish that symmetry yeah. where where our relationship with God will make sense and it doesn't make sense apart from you know one directional grace that's the only right. way that it can make sense and so even if you're not hung up on the Ten Commandments or the law that that's under the view here I mean is it things like well if I uh, you know if, if I'm baptized if I go to church as a matter of fact I got a question here that, mm. that gets right to this uh, somebody texted in a question it says so if you are not perfect at reading your Bible daily you can still be saved and the question is, I hope so. Uh, and that's what this text shouts, yeah. is that it's not Bible reading. It's not so many hours in prayer. It's not so many, uh, so much this or so much that to, to, to balance the teeter-totter again. Right. It's simply faith in, in what God unilaterally in the person of Jesus Christ has done. Yeah. And that alone. Yeah. When we start stacking the teeter-totter is where we're going back to the... And that's Back a good, to the curse. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because you're right. When you read through a lot of this, a lot of people are like, I'm not under the law. Like, I'm not, I'm not under, you know, I'm not a Jew. I'm not, like, under these things. And so I, I, I found it helpful, like, when I'm sharing, like, the gospel with people um, to just use, the, like, the phrase works of, uh, you know, works of righteousness, mm -hmm. you know, or works righteousness instead of law. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that's something that sure. we can all get behind because that, that's ultimately what the problem is. Is that we're trying to work at something to get to get something, and everybody understands that. Sure. Know? So that's the way the world goes around. Yeah, works but, righteousness. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that's not the way that salvation works. That's exactly. not the way that redemption works. Exactly. Right. And we have to get off of that track. And the only place that we learn that is by continually reading our Bibles. Yep. It just gets reinforced because everything else shouts to us: it's got to be equal. We've got to level this thing out. Yep. We've got to somehow. 
uh, uh, earn or, 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 or warrant, you know, God's, uh, what, what God has done for us. And so, and we get that default position is just shouting yeah. at, at everything. Yeah. And so we, we need to be uh, drinking deeply yes. of what uh, Galatians says, because like Chad said, it goes against all of our hardwiring, right? I remember years ago, and I've shared this story many times over the years, but uh, the church that I used to be a part of, uh, we had a soup kitchen. And, and I didn't often go to the soup kitchen, but there was this one day where just, you know, something compelled me. I need to go by the soup kitchen and, you know, just see what's going on for lunch. And I pulled into the parking lot, and, and immediately I met a guy in the parking lot who had been, he's kind of a newer guy in our church, and he was a patron of the soup kitchen. And um, <clears throat> the way that we got to know him is that when he first came to our church, he uh, revealed that he was a registered sex offender and just kind of told us his past and this you know in, in order to be a part of the church like his probation officer said hey you need to go tell these guys and you know that anyway um just you know knew that his past had, horrible things had, had happened with this guy and so i met him in the parking lot and i just got out of the car and he comes up to me and he just starts telling me like the good things that god is doing in his life and at first, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to talk to this guy. And it, but kind of as the conversation continued, like it was really cool to hear, you know, what God had been doing in his life. And and uh, so we had a, I don't know, 10-minute conversation or something. And then I got in the car and left, and I got about a block down the road. And just like in an instant, um, I just became overwhelmed. Like I, I started crying. I had to pull over. And I'm like, I don't, I don't cry, <laughs> right? And then like I just had to pull over because I couldn't even see to drive. And mm. just a switch in my brain flip like this truth that I that I could articulate to you up to that point hit me uh, in a way that just was profound and overwhelming that like the world would put like me and this guy up and say good guy bad guy right um, I, I grew up in the church right I've, you know not, not saying I haven't had my moments but you know the world would say good guy bad guy sure. um, but, but I just became overwhelmed in the moment with just the grace of God in, in this guy's life but also realizing like I need the same Grace. Even though the world says good guy, bad guy, God looks at us both and says we're both in need of redemption. Mm -hmm. And because of what Christ has done, me and this other guy, we, we have the, the same need if we're not in Christ. We, we need Christ. And, and over here on the other side, because we have Christ, like we, we're the righteousness of God, mm -hmm. irrespective of good guy, bad guy, right, kind of a thing. And, yeah. and it just was overwhelming, like I can't even explain. Mm -hmm. and, and it was just grace, the grace of God and the work of God. And, that the same work of Christ on the cross that saved me also mm -hmm. saved this other right. guy. The same work of Christ on the cross that redeemed me redeemed this other guy. And, and I, I could stand shoulder to shoulder with him and like, he's my brother. And, and we're both sinners who have been redeemed by God, not because of anything we have or haven't done, but because of what Christ has done. Because yeah. the promise comes through faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. It's awesome. Did we got any, get any other ones on there? Well, we got a <clears throat> got a comment uh -huh. uh, from Ashley. If uh, it's bad, don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Okay. Right? No, <laughs> no, this is unedited. It says, just want to praise God for giving us articulate pastors to help us understand and grasp these amazing ideas and truths. So blessed. Hmm. I appreciate well, that comment. Thank and you. We, and just like uh, Chad was saying, these truths amaze and, and bless us, and I, you know, I'm not much of a, a crier either. But uh, but when I, when I come to this uh, passage, uh, there have been times when I've just been so overwhelmed uh, by uh, by my need and and God's what God has done in Christ Jesus that I, I just you know I'm just I'm totally undone. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the gospel is supposed to exactly. do, right? right? I mean, just bring that one, us to the end of ourselves. Just that one phrase that Christ became a, a, a curse, you know, by by you know that he. Uh, I'm going to mess it up. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Like, just just that phrase right there alone is enough to like rattle you a little right. bit. Yeah. He who knew no sin became sin, so yeah. that we could become the righteousness of God. Exactly. What what a great exchange yeah. that is. And again, that, the whole substitutionary atonement thing, which is really what's being talked about in this, is it's really a glorious thing to um, to grasp. Yeah. As best we can, you know. So I got a, a couple comments. Uh, Michael's out fishing at Wikiup while he's listening, and he just caught a twenty-two inch brown. Thought that was noteworthy. Wow. <laughs> can you do that? On, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody, I just lost the. Oh, uh, Tim and Diane are asking for your four bullet points. Oh, I'm sorry. If maybe you could I just didn't re- really say them, did I? Just repeat those so that I way can repeat them real we could have them. So uh, basically, going off verse ten, the first one was God doesn't grade on a curve. Um, and then verse 11, um, I didn't have one. <laughs> we'll just say the righteous live by faith. Um, and then verse 12 was that the law and faith are diametrically opposed. And then 13 and 14 is redemption by substitution. So they're not, they weren't really points. They're more just ways for me to wrap my brain right. around each sure. verse. So uh, we got one from uh, Dave Lewis. Um, loved it. The message was amazing. Uh, what is sin once you're under grace? Under works, you know when you messed up. Under grace, can you sin and then what? Hmm. Yeah, so the, so the law is still the law. <laughs> and the law still does its work. So even once we're saved, um, in fact, the fact that the law is written on our heart now, now that we have uh, God actually living in us, um, we're, we're able to know when we sin. Um, but we're able to fall onto the cross. We have somewhere to go now. We have a place mm-hmm. um, where it's been washed and where it can be wrought, you know, whereas before we were saved, we had no place for it to go. And that's the difference is the, is the law is a curse if, if you're under that alone because there's, there's no way to take your guilt once it shows you your guilt, you know. Um, but once we're in Christ and we sin, we have an advocate, you know, um, with the Father, his name is Jesus Christ, you know, who, who, who paid um, and offered up once and for all, all of our infractions. So, yeah. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. We have a place to go, yep. to Christ. Uh, uh, another pastor used to put it this way, um, and, I, and anyway, I'm not sure where this comes from, but it comes from a long time ago. And that is in, in our relationship with God, with, with sin and with righteousness and, and all the things that, that we're given, the way in, which is faith, is the way on. The way in to relationship with God is the way on in, the, in, in a relationship with God. We come in by faith. We continue by faith. We don't want to fall off onto that treadmill again uh, of works. Uh, so, how how long have you been a Christian, Terry? Uh, let's see, that would be sixty-three years. How long have you been a Christian? Wow, are you serious? 
No. <laughs> yes. I wasn't questioning you. Maybe I was. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. it is. You think you, you think I'd be better at it? Well, no, I'm dead serious. But that goes I back mean, to what you just said. Is even after 63 years, you need a passage like this as much as you needed it 63 yeah. years ago when you well, met right. the Lord. It's really more, like you said, it's that more. The, the longer that you walk with the Lord, the more that you see that He's done and the more that there is to yeah. do. Right. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's faith beginning, end, and everything in between alone. Yeah. You didn't answer. Well, um, about 40 years. Four, 40. Yeah. 40 years. Most of my life. I, Are you came, I, came, I came to faith at a, at a very were young age. Were you baptized age. as an infant, bro? No, not as an infant. <laughs> Where were you at? No, at, a, at a, I went to a, a Christian school in kindergarten. Yeah. And uh, like I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And you still need this passage, too? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How about you? No, I uh, I don't know, 30 years? 20, 28 years I've been a Christian, roughly? So... So, yeah. so you and I combined still don't match Terry's. No, let's leave years. that alone. Okay, <laughs> what, so, what should we say about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's a comment from uh, Doug of uh, It's amazing how we try to revert to keeping the law. I'm wondering if the fall caused us to know good and evil, thus constantly bringing us back to trying on our own merits to justify ourselves and appease our conscience. Praise God for the ultimate sacrifice, the curse of Christ on the tree, and the free gift in which we are once and forever made right. Amen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said amen, yeah. and we say amen to yeah. his amen. amen. Right. right. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I think you even see that from the beginning, right? Um, when Adam and Eve fell, um, they were naked. They hid, but they, they made themselves a covering first. Like their, first, their initial right. thought was, i got to do something to fix this. And so I know that's maybe a stretch, and at the same time, it's not a stretch. Like, mm-hmm. that was the very first yep. response to their sin was, I have to fix what I've just screwed up. Right. And that's where God comes along, and he's like, those aren't going to do. Like, and take some, and, but, but what I give you will, you know. Well, and, even in that moment, and I've thought about this many, many times in the past, that, you know, like God calls out and says, where are you? Right. Like, when God asks a question, it's not that he doesn't know the answer, <laughs> Right. It, it, and it wasn't like I don't. It doesn't seem like a like. Where are you? You know, like front and center. It was like just like where are you? God being loving and being gracious to His kids that just sinned, um, and, and not not calling them front and center to point the finger at them, but from that point, like enacting like the plan of redemption, you know, mm-hmm. was, was in view. Yeah, that's good. So we have a good question here from uh, Mo uh, Pressler, and he asks this. What keeps a believer from falling into the opposite trap? As it is written in James, faith without works is dead. The opposite trap. Oh, so like cheap grace. Um, so like if it's, if it's through Christ alone, by faith alone, plus nothing, no, no works, um, what keeps us from like living in a state of cheap grace and not ever producing? Is that... Am I understanding it right? Yeah, I think so. It's it's the it's the thing that it's all all, all grace, right? And uh, that works can be, um, you know, totally absent in right. a Christian's life. And like like he points out, James points out right. that faith without works is dead. So Christ in us prevents that. Right. <laughs> so like if you if if your faith is actually legitimate in the work of Christ, you will be born again, regenerated whatever word you want to use, which means that God takes up a dwelling in us, which means that now there's going to be good works that are produced out of us, but they're, they're originating from he who was in us, 
rather than us ourselves. That's the difference. Um, and, and so that's where, that's where James says, you know, um, you know, faith without works is dead. The, the argument there isn't that it starts with works. The argument there is that if your faith is real, you will produce works of righteousness, but it's not because of you. It's not because of something you're doing. It's because of he who is in you. That's the difference. And so it, it is hard when we see people, and we do see people that go on for years and years and years, praise Jesus, you know, they show up to church once in a while or whatever, but there's like, no, there, there's like nothing coming out of them but, mm-hmm. but a cesspool. There is no living water coming out of their life. Like, I, I can't see someone's heart, but... Like, I know what that means, according to what the Bible tells me, that, that they believe that Jesus is, they believe that God is, but he's, that Christ isn't in them. Doesn't mean that we're not messy sometimes, but, um, but the difference is, is Christ in us produces good works rather than gr- good works produces Christ in us. Those are two different it's things. It's cause and effect. It's cause it's and effect. Right? Yeah. Good answer. And the, uh, uh, a way to kind of condense that down to think about it, I like simple things, is that... Uh, we are saved by faith alone, but saving faith is not alone. It's mm-hmm. good. Works come with it. Boom, boom. Saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is not alone. But it doesn't mean that we try to make the faith, the works right. come with it, right? Sure. Right. And I think that's the part where people get mixed up. Is like, oh, now, now that this part's been done by Christ in the beginning. Now I get to like jump my, back on the treadmill. Yeah, I get to, right. I get to jump take back it over on the treadmill. Exactly. And that's, no, it's, it's that now that he's in us, um, we're not going to be without good works. Like he's going to produce them. Right. You know? So, yeah. Um, John is asking, um, I think this came up before, but I don't know if we answered it. <laughs> um, can you explain justification, sanctification, and glorification? In 30 to. seconds or less. I don't want to. Mm. <laughs> Is this Brandon? Yeah. Dang, Brandon. <laughs> Go, Chad. Give it a shot. Um, usually, John has like the snarky comments, like you know, bad hair day, or couldn't find my keys, or something. Now, like, like this is legit, right? Yeah, here. he's kind of <laughs> pinning us down here. Right? Yeah, pinning, pinning us down. Um, so, so justification would be like um, think of a court of law, the, the legal act of being declared innocent, and, and in this case, like you're guilty. <laughs> Right. But but in, in, you know, the heavenly courtroom, you've been declared innocent because of the work of Christ on the cross. Sanctification is like being set apart, being made holy. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things that like kind of already and, and not yet, like mm-hmm. we are sanctified. Uh, we are set apart. We are made holy because of the work of Christ. And we are being sanctified because, like you said, it's, it's our, you know, life is messy. Right. And, and we have this, this bent that keeps pulling right. us back. Well, even um, though it's done in the heavens, we're still living in real time. Right. So that, that's the part with it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so we are sanctified we, and we are being sanctified. Yep. Uh, and glorification is like when, when we cross the finish line. You know, you talked about the, the guy that you knew that, that passed away. Like mm-hmm. he's crossed the finish mm-hmm. line uh, and his struggle is over and he's, he's experiencing glorification right now as we speak. So short answer. Hope that helped. But uh, if, if not, we can, we can talk more later. And if you do a word search on sanctification, just throughout your New Testament, you'll actually see that, the way it's used. You'll, you'll see it being interchanged. It's mostly used as positional, actually, which is weird. Like, it's done. Yeah. Like, our, our, like, he has set us apart. Um, but there, there's also that reality that we're not yet glorified. Therefore, we're still, like, um, receiving all the pain and agony 
of sanctification right <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Sanctification can be a brutal process in yep. the life of the Christian, but um, un- under the watchful eye of, of a God that loves us and a God that is gracious and towards us. And it's a sure process because, mm-hmm. as uh, Philippians tells us, it's a process that he began, and he's yep. going to see it That's through. Right. He who began a good work in you will carry it on until it is finished, complete, perfect, done yep. in the day of Christ Jesus. Yeah. So stay off the treadmill. And I think in that same passage, it says that he is the one who works and wills right. in you to do good works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. So hope that helped, John. Yep. Good question, John. Are we good? Uh, yeah, I got one. Um, I don't have any more questions. Do you, Chad? Uh, Brent just typed a comment. Let's see. Uh, justification, I was saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, I am being saved from the power of sin. And glorification, I will be saved from the presence of sin. There you go. Thanks for that, Brent. That was very good. Even though he's sick, sick, yet he speaketh. Right? Okay. (laughs) And he speaketh well. He does. That's that's the chat pastor right there. Yeah. I think he stole that from someone. Yeah, right. Most of the stuff is. Is is there a pastor anywhere that hasn't stolen everything from someone? None of it's ours. Yep, yep. Okay, so we did get a prayer request that cool. I want to take. Um, um, it's a little out of sync, but that's fine because we have a dear brother, uh, Derek, um, that hasn't been sleeping at all mm-hmm. due to his uh, constant debilitating neck pain. And it's been ramping up uh, according to what you know Derek has told me in, in past months. And it's, it's just excruciating and it just doesn't let go. And because of this, uh, and that's because of an accident that he had a long time ago. Uh, but because of COVID, he can't get any hands-on doctor treatment. So um, there's, uh, I mean, he can't make an appointment and go in and get some relief of some kind. So anyway, he's just in a hurt locker. Me? Yeah. Father, we uh, uh, again lift up a, a Derek and Cat, who um, his wife that loves him and and feels in so many ways, Lord, his pain and frustration. And um, Lord, it just seems like um, all the doors are, are closed now, and he's just in this place, Lord, of pain. And uh, so we pray, Father, that um, even in, in the midst of this pain, that you would um, meet him. And uh, Lord, in ways that we can't explain physically, psychologically, spiritually, Lord, that you would minister to him and, and grant him grace, Lord, uh, in this time. And we pray, Father, uh, for our brother for a soon relief. Uh, Lord, we know that you can speak the word and um, the pain will subside. It'll be gone. Uh, you could heal him. Uh, you, could, you could make all of this go away. Um, but we also know, know, Lord, that you can uh, grant him grace, he and Kathy, together um, as they go through this, Father. Uh, to in some way uh, to glorify you and uh, to bear up Lord looking for the day of this that we were just talking about this day of glorification this day that my friend Jim um, you know just recently experienced when all of this is going to be a a distant memory and uh, father sustain him with hope um, minister Lord to his soul and his heart and his body and and to his wife and Lord we will give you thanks uh, as you are faithful and show your loving kindness to our brother now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. We miss you. We miss you. We miss you. Hopefully this thing will be done soon. Um, 
Uh, so keep praying that way. Um, in the meanwhile, read your Bibles. We'll be back Wednesday night, 6.30, um, talking about how to read your Bibles. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Is that it? I think so. I think so, yeah. Have a blessed day, guys. Bye, everyone. Talk to you soon.